So I think we'll first take up uh, that question of yours and then proceed. <clears throat> so uh, the question was because we read a lot about you know uh, what needs to change and how to change with regard to different religions and how religions have encrusted themselves in a mass of dead rituals, meaningless customs and their spirit is something different and that needs to be liberated from all this. So we read so before you start, I'll just uh, uh, add something to that. Yeah. Just to be precise what the question is. So, what's happening in our generation is, uh, in India, is uh, we have this whole bunch of rituals. People are told to follow it from a young age, but most of them don't know the real reason of why they came up. Some of them might be outdated because in some point of time that was in context making yes. sense. Now they don't. So what's happening is because some of them don't make sense, the generation thinks that categorically the whole thing is nonsense right. and they are shunning the whole thing. And shunning that now they are completely open, they are directionless, they don't know where to go. So you see, uh, in our generation, you see more diversity than in the previous generation. A lot of them are going, following cultures from the West, a lot of them are following their own individual value system. Like I know many people, people my generation. Uh, a lot of them are not religious. They don't like being religious. They don't like going to the temple, the whole conventional way of following rituals, religions. But nonetheless, they are really good people. Like look at their values, their, their tolerance, the level of acceptance. Their own values are one, but they are very, very tolerant and acceptance of people with a completely opposite set of values. So the heart is in the right place, but they don't have the direction. They don't have the right knowledge of why we are following the things that we are following in our religion. So what I want to know from people like yourselves know about these things is about all these rituals. How do we clean them up? Like how do we take out how do we like out of all of that, how do we choose what is outdated and what doesn't make sense and what has been distorted and now Okay, so this uh, this is a yeah slightly different question, and we can start with that. Then we can talk about the you know fourfold order. So um, you know uh, if you have to approach those who are having a certain orthodox kind of mentality, we already read the essay part. Now in its practical application, and it would apply universally to almost uh, all religions, but here we are putting it in context. Whenever people quote or when they speak about this ritual or that ritual, what I do is, to start with, I ask them, where do you derive the authority for this? This is one way, this is the language they understand. Like yesterday, Hemant was telling very nicely an example that what is the language that people understand? Now, normally they would say, no, no, we have always been doing it. So you ask them, who has been doing it? So their generation previously and their generation previously so then you go back and ask okay but where did it all originate now when you confront people with certain uncomfortable truths that's when the process of engagement starts either the person will turn away or engage with you for instance um, there were no temples in that age of the Vedas now you know to start with we talked about temple going and all in the Vedic culture, there was no temple. The whole concept, the whole Vedas are about an inner journey. So you, we talk to people that look, this ritual is only a symbol. Why it was preserved? Because at two levels, you know, a truth has to be, in, in Indian thought, they knew that there is a deeper truth and I'm sure it happened in every religion. And yet the common mass cannot perceive that vast truth. So in the form of stories, myths, legends and eventually rituals, this truth was preserved for the memory of the, in the memory of the race so that those who are ready, it's like a kindergarten stuff, they are ready, they can go beyond it and find the deeper truth. For instance, if in a household, there is everyday talk about Gita, Yagna and all that. So maybe one odd person will say, okay, let me read what exactly is there in the Gita. At least with me it happened. 
so you know i had in my house vedas gita everything and all and there was also a traditional worship and i like things which you don't uh, like as i said if a woman has a period why can't she enter into a temple and there were many things like that if you have not taken a bath why can't you sit and pray to god so i had these many many such questions so and you know is shastra mein likha us shastra mein likha so i said okay let me let me go actually to the to these books and see what is really written so when i read the gita except for two things uh, which i couldn't immediately connect because i didn't have the key and it was a state more of revolt everything else i found ki oh this is so beautiful this is nothing to do with any of the stuff which is being told and these two things i couldn't connect was one where shri krishna says i turn to me become my minded my lover born to me and you know with all of us inherit the time frame in which we are born and that was a time of when all images everywhere are broken and uh, how can uh, you know somebody say like that that i you turn to me and similar thing we find in the bible how can somebody say that you know it was a bit uh, of a shocker to me but because i loved krishna i somehow you know went through it it was okay though i found it why would krishna say like that to my mind little mind it was krishna is so wonderful this statement is a bit egoistic <laughs> why would krishna say this so for me that was a problem it's not that i doubted krishna but to me the idea of divinity was that the divine would never say that you know i am divine and don't so this was one thing and the second thing was that when sri krishna says among the four i am the four varnas i have created the four varnas and among them i am the brahmin this was a like i was a rebel so how can you know krishna say i have established the four varnas so we'll first touch upon this and then go to further now when you look further and deeper then you discover that um, our ancients they observed very carefully the human journey and recognized that there are a wide variety and range of people who are advancing and there are different stages of their development up to animal to man you will see a sudden change from one species to another intermediate species must have been there but they are wiped out but within man you see that men evolve human beings evolve even when they have the same form the same body there are different stages of evolution now this creates a very complex condition and then i discovered that the whole idea of rebirth was basically to facilitate the evolutionary journey you know i had read that rebirth means you have done a sin this was another problem of mine what do you mean god will punish sin sin is done in ignorance most of the what we call as sin and even if it is done with knowledge there was not that sufficient will and if god has to punish and reward what kind of a god he is i can't love such a god you know all these concepts i had so first time i got clear that yes indeed rebirth has nothing to do with reward and punishment because in one life there is a point to which you can progress you shed that because you become more and more fixed in as a child we are supple and you know born wide born free actually in a certain sense not in the deepest sense but in a certain sense but right from birth parent society books education starts writing on a slate and by the time we realize that also brings to original thinking much has been written on all these on the slate of a life and we then keep on rehearsing the script which somebody else has written for us now this is what probably the younger generation will connect with so how do i do now how do i go about i have already been conditioned in a hundred ways all the terminology definitions everything is there how do i go about so when i explored then i i realized that look basically the whole idea of rebirth was for different stage of evolution and because this evolution takes place step by step there are some minor stages minor steps and there are some major steps like let me give an example when you climb mount everest so there are many small steps you say okay you rest here you rest there then there are some mountains you have to cross you say that you know kanchenjunga is one peak then mount ketu is another then you know uh, there is another mount everest so the ancients recognized then human evolution has some three or four main major stages of development and they put it very logically the first stage is when i am conscious only of my outward 
needs, the bodily needs, the physical and the vital. That's all. Nothing else matters to me. So that's why even when I turn to God, I turn to gods who will, whom if I can propitiate, they will give me rewards. So you know the primitive conception of God is all these gods you can please them by either giving some money, very crude gods, you know, I must say. <laughs> but they, but it is believed. You want to appear for an exam, you promise this much money and the gods get very readily bribed and when they look after you, you say wonderful God. When, when, they, when you don't succeed, then either you deny God or say God is so cruel. Or to save God from, you know, uh, human contempt, pandits divide a, devised a very nice way, your karma. So now you can't even question God. Some karma in some life and you are being punished for that. So you can't say poor God. I mean, the only chance we had of engaging with God was when something bad happened to us and we went to him and questioned him. Why this? Why me? But we have taken away that chance because we have said it's your karma. So now I have to bear the burden of some unknown karma which I have done in some life. But that's what not what rebirth was meant to be. Now in the primitive notions, evolution, for me everything is centered around the physical and the vital. Uh, my life is centered around it. I can understand an idol, but I cannot understand the reality within it. Now you see how physical outward looking man is. I can understand a temple and a church, but I cannot understand that this is the temple and this is the church. I can understand the Samadhi at Shurabindu Ashram Pondicherry, but I cannot understand that it is worthless if I don't recreate that atmosphere inside. Shurabindu brings it very beautifully in the human cycle, where he says a symbol, a religious symbol or a spiritual symbol is a convention, a meaningless ticket, unless you reproduce it inside you. So, First step is you know it. Like you know mother symbol everybody talks and even people ask what is mother symbol? Oh center there is Aditi. Then there are four powers. There are twelve powers. So ask that person what is in your center? My ego. My four relatives. My twelve grandchildren. Now what is the use of such a symbol? I may know all about it. But I have turned it into a meaningless convention. Now this symbol has to be realized within me. So I have to make sure that, well, at the center at least to start with, I have Aditi, the Divine Mother. Then the four powers molding me. So what I mean is that first man engages with that which far exceeds through a limited concept and notion. So in that limited concept and notion, rituals give us a place. There is a place for them. Man cannot understand the inner yagna, so he has an outer fire. And he offered some butter or ghee. Now when he offers butter and ghee, it's expensive item. You know, you are throwing into fire. But we will do it. And they want some outer reward. So this is the first stage of humanity. Now in Indian thought, it was acknowledged that there are four stages of such development. The first two are when our whole consciousness is outward and downward. And the other two, when it begins to turn inward and upward. So the four Varnas which came up were the four strata of humanity which by their evolutionary process had developed. So at the lowest strata, in fact, is very beautifully described in one of the Purush Shuktas that the Shudras are the feet of the God, the Vaishya are his thighs and his uh, belly, the Kshatriya are his arms and the chest and the Brahmin is his head. What it means is that look in the first stage of evolution when we are dealing only with matter we are at the stage of the Shudra. It has nothing to do with birth it has nothing to do with surname it has nothing to do with temperament. Every human being whose gaze cannot free itself out away from the mere outward is by that fact by definition, a human being who is primitive, by nature. by nature. So this primitive concept was not based on how well you get dressed up, how well you can speak a particular language. You know, if you are expert in English, you are very developed person. No. If you are dressed in a good tie and suit, you are a very developed person. No. If your whole consciousness is engaged only with the outward, in consciousness you are a Shudra. Amazing. 
so now is there a way that he can evolve so the way for his evolution was through his own nature he cannot be given that highest truth because he is not ready he will turn a high truth and turn it into something gross that's why in every scriptures in the gita it is written very interestingly and that's how the concept of the faithful came now in the gita it is said that after krishna gives everything to arjuna he says don't speak about it to everyone amazing actually he should be happy that you know speak about it to everyone tell them i will deliver you but he cannot it's not meant for that just the opposite because what he has revealed is too profound and too subtle for the human intellect to grasp so in the beginning stages for the shudra there was a way that since you are engaged with matter worship matter work with your hands make things beautiful and perfect artisans craftsmen that's how the job came in and if you do it well you will have what is called as sadharma gati you evolve through your nature shudra was not expected now every time i use the word shudra uh, get the mind clear of there is no negative connotation to it so but you know mind is tend to so you know when a shudra made something very beautiful like an image or a house he was worshiping god and he was not asked to do anything further so he need not go to a temple which later on turned into he should not go to a temple mind you he had no no reason because he will get lost you know you know they will talk about vedic chanting and he will say what is all this about oh no no let me work with my car and i'll make it good it's fine you can approach god through that so there was no um, uh, if he could do that and for his life there were minimum restrictions the life of a shudra could be very undisciplined he could you know um, drink he could do these things but when he worked with physical matter now you'll be able to connect with many things you know when you see this he had to be perfect with that next level was the vital man he is not happy only with his immediate physical matter he wants to expand he wants to discover new shores continents see how he can carry these goods there and bring those goods there he was involved in a interchange or a vital commerce with life which was around how you know things he could make things of utility things of beauty carry it to far off lands bring things of beauty and good there and bring it this was the vaishya so vaishya again if he entered into beauty harmony of life created that opulence of life which was harmonious then again he evolved further these two were the outward gazing mentality then comes the kshatriya he is what is enjoined upon him is something still more because he is called upon there are born leaders who want to fight for truth for justice for right and they must follow that nature you can't tell them that you know sit in a temple and meditate or you know you work with hands he will feel frustrated because he is a born warrior and it is so beautifully shown in the life of many person like moses moses is put with the slaves but even there because he is a you know real kshatriya he liberates them fights a great battle so that is the full blown kshatriya hood where a man lives for truth right justice even if it means he has to sacrifice his own body now sacrifice is assuming a different connotation the first sacrifice is external for vaishya and shudra sacrifice is external shudra sacrifices that he creates beautiful things vaishya sacrifices he puts money but kshatriya sacrifices his own life so already it has gone to one notch higher then when he has done it if he has lived it rightly then he enters the next stage when the kshatriya turns into a seeker what is truth i am fighting for truth but what is truth i stand for justice but what is justice he begins to raise these questions within himself and seek their answers now the moment he seeks these answers he enters into a subtle truths of life i worship this idol what is this idol who is krishna who is christ is he confined to a temple or church or is he all over the world why i mean when this seeking comes then one is a brahmin so he is in the head of god so evolution has carried and what the brahmin has to sacrifice not even his life but his works his everyday life has to become a consecration yagna so on brahmin only these things were endorsed no meat eating no alcohol no twice marrying 
नो अर्निंग मनी यू नो आई एम जस्ट टेलिंग यू हाउ द ओल्ड सोशल ऑर्डर वर्क बिफोर वी कम टू दैट सो ए ब्राह्मीण नेवर वॉज वॉज नेवर सपोज टू एंगेज इन मनी मेकिंग एक्टिविटी सो हाउ डज ही सपोर्ट हिमसेल्फ सोसाइटी वॉज सपोज टू सर्व हिम टेक केयर ऑफ हिम ही गेव नॉलेज एंड दे लुकड आफ्टर इज वेल बींग देर आर सच स्टोरीज आई थिंक न्यू जर्सी आई स्पोक अबाउट द स्टोरी ऑफ उशस्ती चक्रायन दैट यू नो दिस मैन इज लिटरली हैज नो ग्रेन लेफ्ट इन इज हाउस बट इज ए नोअर ऑफ ब्राह्मण सो सोसाइटी इट वॉज द वर्क ऑफ द किंग एंड द सोसाइटी टू मेंटेन हिम नाउ दैट गॉट डिस्टॉर्टेड इन टू वॉट बाई बर्थ इफ आई एम ए पांडे और अ शर्मा और वॉट एवर एक्स वाई जेड I have to be taken care of by everybody. Just because I can recite some slokas, people must give me dana, chadawa, and then the greed comes in. All kinds of things come in. So that is the distortion. But look at if you look now from this angle, you will see what a great system it was—a natural evolution of human being through the different stages. But precisely because it degenerated into, uh, you know. passing on the inheritance by birth or even by works just because i uh, i go and conduct some you know reading of bible and uh, geeta it doesn't make me a brahmin i must be a seeker if that is not there i am not a brahmin so because it changed into an external system it degenerated it had to be destroyed so the time spirit has destroyed it but its truth continues to exist can we deny that human consciousness exists at all these levels there are people who cannot understand the subtlest truths and if you give them a subtle truth they may be lost like you know that famous doha uh, you know that a person says that well god uh, god is not confined to the mosque why you tell me not to drink in the mosque god is everywhere now you know it's a very subtle truth that god is everywhere but look how it is being distorted therefore i can drink everywhere it should be the other way round you can't drink anywhere because god is there so these subtle truths got distorted because they came into unchastened minds so the time spirit has destroyed it but because there is an inner truth in this evolution it exists just as to a child we cannot straight away teach him to fly an aircraft we give him a toy aircraft engage him with that there is the symbol like you know when you teach a child a for apple so what do we do uh, at least you know that's how books i don't know how it's taught here you show an image of apple and say what is it the child will say apple and parents are very happy but is it really an apple <laughs> it is a piece of paper it's not apple it's a diagram of an apple so similarly when you take a child or a child consciousness undeveloped consciousness to a temple church say this is god oh this is god actually it is not god <laughs> god is not confined to that but this is a starting point unfortunately many people remain stuck at the starting point and it brings so much pain misery they struggle all their life with their concepts which have become dated it retards their evolution because they have got stuck to the first image of god there is a nice story about mira when mira you know leaves her home or rather she is thrown out of the house mira is a famous uh, indian saint who loved krishna so all that she carries with her is an idol of krishna and it's made of gold so she says okay i don't need anything i just need this idol so the first night she sleeps outside that idol is stolen so she is very unhappy he said you were the only one whom i had and you have taken away that how cruel of you I didn't say anything when you took away my kingdom and money why you took away yourself from me and then krishna appears it's very beautifully captured in uh, dilip kumar roy and indra devi's famous play they have made so he says oh you know me he said of course so you mean i am that so he says then you know mira begins to think oh okay okay so who are you he says you want to know who i am and then like the geeta he reveals who the divine is so we have to recognize there is a place for certain externalities but if the society remains confined to it that means the society will be largely remain confined to the lesser truths and will never grow into the greater truths so we have to there have to be teachers who reveal the deeper subtler truths and show the symbol 
and the reality which is behind the symbol so this and the four stages of evolution exist they are still there there are seekers of knowledge everywhere and whoever is seeking truth and knowledge is a brahmin it has nothing to do with anything external whoever is standing up and fighting for truth and justice and right is a kshatriya in the indian context whoever is dealing with matter and worshiping it now the beauty is now that it has broken and we know about a new creation which is to come now mother says in the new creation all these four levels of experience of humanity will be integrated therefore she says not only be a seeker but also a warrior you cannot afford to do yoga unless you are a warrior for every moment you have choices to make you have to fight against your own nature which will want you to go towards comforts but you have to fight against that and choose for what is true what is right within yourself you have to also be a vaishya you cannot say all this wealth is spiritual wealth is only for myself i am happy with my bliss my realization but you have to share it with humanity at large and you have to also be a shudra you have to worship the divine in matter respect the divinity in matter and uh, pray with the body by doing work so this is the grand plan humanity in the old creation passed through these stages now there are many who have all the four levels inside them and in the new creation there won't be for the new creation i am not talking of the uh, common human evolution but for the new creation there will be no such hierarchy everybody will be an illumined disciple of truth a warrior against obscurity and falsehood a natural giver who would share the larger collectivity whatever he has and a worshipper of the divine in matter so this is a grand plan now how to give it to those that's a big question as i said the old world holds hard to itself it is being destroyed and it's very beautifully given in the story of shiva and sati sati is the old world so she destroys herself she doesn't mind being destroyed because you know the new world will come up she will be reborn as parvati but shiva carries her on his shoulder and goes around the world so vishnu who is very concerned deeply concerned he destroys her he destroys her so that she may be reborn as parvati so everywhere in the world we see a struggle between the old world which is holding on to its nostrums and the new world which is born and trying to express itself through different humanity and we have to decide to start with which side do we belong do we belong to the outdated stuff it needs tremendous courage to take a leap or do we belong to the future now this is the starting point i am now addressing this question how to deal with those who are before we deal with them we have to deal with ourselves many things within us still cling to the old world because it's very comfortable it's all right that as a adolescent i say no i have my own freedom but the moment i have my children and if they don't uh, touch my feet and i'm not my feet and i'm not talking of my child but i'm just using as an example i told him deal me as a friend deal with me as a friend but you know if they if they do it i feel oh what has happened he doesn't bother he simply says a hi and goes hi pops this is not done i have to at that point of time be a warrior myself and discover why do i want him to you know come and respect me with awe and fear that's an old kind of relation how much more beautiful that he deals with me as a friend so why can't i deal with him as a friend probably he will be lot more open he will be a lot more like come and confide to me and maybe he will accept whatever suggestions i can give him because that's the relation of the future so first step is within us in every part of our being we decide whether we want to belong to the old or to the new and then because we live that life it will begin to radiate in our all around us in everybody organically naturally this is the sum and substance so there are great truths but truths which have been given symbolically which have been misunderstood completely misunderstood uh, why did you describe the vaishya as a giver as a sharer that's the next movement that he circulates all the energies that so see money what is money 
Money is a vital force which circulates. And what is Mahalakshmi's aspect? Predominant aspect. Harmony. You see, when there is a problem between, let's say, a situation where there is a fight, the responses will be very different. A Shudra will say typically, again, never in a pejorative way, he'll say, look, I mean, it doesn't concern me, let me, you know, just continue with my little work, my little life. Because that is everything. A Vaishya will say, let's have harmony, let's not, you know, fight, let's not, you know, let's have harmony. But harmony by that he means, there is a commonality of interests. And let's, you know, engage with each other in a commonality of interest. That's how a Vaishya thinks. A Kshatriya will say, no, we'll fight. We'll fight to the finish. And a Brahmin will say, let's understand what we are fighting for. Same situation, there will be four responses. So, Vaishya is that who by nature and instinct has to create harmony. He's engaged in harmony, whether he likes it or not. Look how he does it. Interchange of forces. What is a typical Vaishya? Or now I am uh, misusing the word to mean businessman. What does a businessman do? He goes to one country, picks up goods from there, comes back here and sells it. Picks up goods from this country, goes and sells it there. This is what he does. What he does in the process, there is an interchange he carries both through the stories, through the products, interchange of culture. It is, you see, even now, we talk about globalization, mixing of cultures. How did it start? It started by the Vaishyas, because there are economic interests. Everybody talks about global economy. There are products from here available there and products of there available here. So, Vaishya brings people, forces together and it creates a harmony because, you know, it creates a churning in the human consciousness. Some people here appreciate those products. Some people there appreciate these products and they try to understand each other. So by instinct, a Vaishya is a seeker after harmony. So how does he do? He gives, he receives. He enters into an interchange of forces. Its outward expression is business, money, all this is only an outer expression. Even otherwise you see, Vaishya generates wealth, he keeps wealth and then what happens to that wealth? That wealth is going all around the world for something else. He carries a plastic card. So he has actually circulated the money force in this world, which is necessary. Whereas if a Vaishya accumulates it and keeps it, uh, you know, buried under a tree, then it's only for the cobra. His own children won't use it. Probably they won't know there was treasure and the poor fellow will die, you know, as paupers. But a true Vaishya will never do it. And that's why these Vaishyas who have entered into larger sense of life, they have succeeded well. I mean, this is one example of our own year, Rama family. Amazing. Amazing. And there are so many such stories. It is nothing to do with the American dream. Only thing is, because in America, these two aspects, outward and this thing is so prominent, that it facilitates it. Just as in, in India, spirituality is facilitated. Mm. By the very fact you go there. So the moment you do this, you allow the money force to circulate. You don't have the fear. You are an adventurer in your own way. Then it will go around the world, bring forces, people and start creating a harmony. And you can use it for good purposes. Tatas, all those people who have built their empire have built like that. So you have to give. And when you give, you receive. But if you want to only receive, accumulate, then you are not a Vaishya. You are just a miser. I mean... And a true Vaishya will then also give this money for higher and, you know, higher goods and ascend up the ladder. Then he enters into Kshatriya. So, as you said, many things are contextual. Like, for instance, uh, taking out the chapels before going to God. Even here I was saying, oh, we can wear and sit. I mean, I honestly, I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, whether you call it chapel or feet, except that it's a rule of hygiene. That's all. I mean, because chapels are dirty, you leave it and you carry. Now, one can also find a symbolic meaning it. I leave my past behind. This is another way to look at it. But if I make of it an absolute rule, then I am being dogmatic and religious in a ritualistic way. And classic example again in the ashram, where Nehru came, 
So always there are people, you know, they wanted him to take off the shoes. Mother said, no, no, no. They asked mother. No, 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 he can come. Where is the problem? And that fool <laughs> actually came with the shoes. <laughs> that is the funny part of the story. I mean, he is a person who has grown up in Indian culture. You don't say this or ask this. You instinctively do it. He actually went with his shoes to the Samadhi. Nehru. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, you know, the sense of the sacred just missing. missing. Now, that is the other part. So, when we talk about these things, we have to understand these truths can be misinterpreted. Now, supposing you say, okay, then now you see where the danger lies. How these truths have to be communicated, you have to give the total picture. Otherwise, what happens? Say, oh, nothing is necessary. God is within. So, you go with the shoes. Next minute, the next thought is, well, I can even keep my shoes on the altar. Theoretically, technically, where is the problem? God is everywhere in everything. Now you see, that's why we spoke that day at length about Rith. Indian thought recognized this problem of mixing of Varnas, mixing of levels of consciousness, creating confusion in the minds of people. So therefore, for each level, there were enjoined certain laws and principles. But they were not universal things. Universal was something different. Universal is inside. Universal is everywhere. <coughs> but certain things are given so that human consciousness can be trained. That's all. It's for training. And if you have gone past the stage of training, it doesn't matter. I mean, there are so many stories in Indian thought that famous, yeah, Ramakrishna, Vivekananda or even that um, ancient story of Rishi Agast because they say these are modern people. Rishi Agast ate meat and of all meat, cow meat. Can you imagine? It's mentioned. And there's a famous story of this uh, uh, Asura who would, brother would go inside and finish the Rishi. It's also a symbolic story that he, these two Asura brothers would call a seer make him eat all this, they knew the vidya by which you can reconstitute yourself. So one asura will feed the other one into the rishi and then recall this mantra and he will come out and burst and finish. It's a very funny story, a very interesting story. So when August knows the trick, so August is also called, please come and have food. So this, this brother, one asura, prepares the other asura as a meal. And serves to Rishi Agast. So Agast quietly eats it. The name of this Asura whom he has eaten is Vatapi. So then this Asura says, now I am going to kill this Rishi. This story is very, very deep and profound, symbolic. So after he has eaten, the Asura talks of that mantra and wants to bring out and finish Agast. So Agast keeps sitting smiling. So he is now nervous. What has happened? So he says... Come out, come out, Vatapi, come out. So Agast says, I have digested him. <laughs> now, you know, there is a state of consciousness in which the darkest force you can absorb and digest. That's what it means. Nothing affects you. Because you are one with Sarva Bhoktaram, the divine Sarva Lok Maheshwara is also like Krishna, he is absorbing all the forces and he is smiling. So this is the highest state. But everybody cannot reach it, so there are steps and states. So, you know, there was some question about, I think in the morning about hostile forces. Well, they are real. And in the beginning, one has to be very careful. But there comes a stage when you see the divine behind everything. Then it doesn't matter. Then you realize that it's some nothing but a trick. There is a aphorism of Sri that earlier when I fell, I would, you know, feel guilty and complain. But later on, now that you have shown me that it is you who is behind everything, I get up, look with the corner of my eyes at you and say, Oh, trickster, you are again at your play. So it's a stage of evolution. That Indian thought recognizes. So there is no everything, same prescription for everybody. In Ayurveda also there is no same prescription for everybody. In spiritual evolution also there is no same prescription for everybody. That's why everybody has the freedom to walk their own way. And that's why conversion is meaningless and absurd. Because everybody is walking in his own way the path. 
and to try to convert one from another is an absurdity each person has to discover and walk in his own way and that's all what is required there is no need to convert because it's not that some are lost and some are saved everybody is saved at different levels he is moving so you see how beautiful it is it's not that if i am a believer in vishnu i have to convert the shiva believer into a vaishnava believer or if i am a believer in shurbindo i must convert somebody who believes in christ or krishna into shurbindo showing that shurbindo is greater no no devotee of shurbindo will ever do it because then he is deviating from something very central and so mother says in one of the places one of those sentences which are exactly the same shurbindo and the mother where she says therefore the individuals who will most help in the advent of the new age will be those who will believe only in the essential spiritual conversion of humanity and they will be indifferent to particular religion form symbols etc it doesn't matter as long as there is a spiritual conversion that's what matters how beautiful that's why not all converted people are happy and not all non converted in fact you can't convert you know by nature it's an absurdity because you can convert external belief or surname how do you convert an inner faith <laughs> it's just not possible so it's it's a meaningless thing i may give a lot of money and say that every day you go to vishnu's uh, temple i will go but what is happening inside me i don't know there is a famous joke you know sometimes in politics it used to happen now of course is going down I'm sure it will go away that you know some politicians will give money to the voters to so that they vote for them now the smart voters what do they do they take the money but vote wherever they want to vote who is going to check it's a inner truth <laughs> so this all this is obviously absurd but you can see how cheap the whole attitude of conversion is it's exactly like the politician winning allegiance of a voter by giving him money exactly the same consciousness it has nothing to do with primitive mind yeah it is very primitive at its root it is primitive yeah i just wonder as i said in the beginning that uh, in my generation there are some very good people like the top of consciousness in fact you really you place. answered it i was observing you answered it precisely because they are freed from religious forms they are very nice people let me add to that because they have a chance of growing wide and discovering truth they are the hope of the future not those who are very religious some asuras are very religious so precisely because they don't believe in all this there is hope for such people for something new and beautiful so what they need to know is not necessarily the old form and its truth that is one way to go about but the new that is coming up the new which is born among us and that the experience as you said they are very nice people they have an aspiration for light for truth for harmony for beauty for goodness and that needs to be nurtured why not only thing is that can be carried what really is harmony what is goodness how we can proceed according to that it doesn't matter you know whether they are hindu christians muslim doesn't matter at all i think it was direct question to arbindo what of old traditions should we preserve should we sift for them and find the best things and clean them up and yeah. he said it is broken completely yeah, yeah, he said yeah. very clearly even the, even though they beautiful things yeah 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 about yes and that's what we were because yes, you know it's very difficult yes, no it it's not possible because you know if you try to do it you will it's the same error will come in see you will tell one generation supposing you yeah, okay okay there is a symbol but the same error will again creep in that's why it's not that it's the time spirit which has broken it and it's not like belittling yeah 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 it is liberating the truth monastic tradition ascetic tradition yeah it is liberating the truth from within you just it's gone it just you have to make films about them 
yeah actually it goes to that extent that it has already been done so if you try that effort it is like reviving the corpse of sati it's just not possible the very effort is for doom to failure If one want to go that way, fine. But that is not the only way. Just follow the aspiration. Ultimately, it will lead you to the truth of whatever was there in your and other religions, and to something which is not contained in any religion. If you follow it, like you know, you have said many persons keep telling me, "Oh, uh, how do you like you know this kind of understanding of Hinduism?" Frankly, I have not tried to understand it. I have followed the truth of that, and. now i understand it precisely from that light and i have a respect now for everything that is healthy and good and beautiful because you know that's how shrubindu leads us that's how the mother reveals the truth to us but if you try to understand each and everything then people end up writing crazy books on symbols in hinduism and they are no better than the psychoanalysts frankly so you know there will be one book that you know this is the phallic symbol they will go on in a different way but state the same truth in in as absurd a way that you know ganesha is this ganesha represents this ganesha represents that because they want somehow that people should cling to ganesha because that is a symbol of hinduism but they don't realize how agonizing it is for ganesha poor ganesha you know like they never treat him like a living entity so the people will cling to ganesha then during the ganesha festival they will one day pray to him next day carry him to throw into the sea will be drunk on the way and you feel sad for poor ganesha i actually sometimes i have prayed to ganesha that how can you bear all this i mean it must be very sad for you and the response i got was yes what to do i am stuck so i, I said i am not i moved with my scooter ahead but i did feel very sorry because he is a living entity and a wonderful being he is a child of the mother it's so sad you know poor he has to stay with all those people throwing desires at him how horrible it must be not one person going to ask for gyana you know everybody says he gives buddhi how many go to ganesha asking for buddhi everybody will go asking for wealth which will take away the buddhi <laughs> ah vigna only in money not the inner vigna which is a sad thing so if you try that way the problem is you preserve a symbol which will again lead to the same thing so it's all gone but the inner truth will never be destroyed just as the inner truth of the four orders is there is even there today and you cannot demolish it because it's a evolutionary journey of man you just cannot remove it away you can't wish it away but the outer form will be destroyed and it will take a new form what form it will take we have to leave for time spirit to do it. because time can destroy form but not the spirit how about the symbols in the vedas like you were mentioning the swan the other day dashva the fire those can still be very useful especially during meditation yes if you see a swan in meditation yes it would mean something if you see a baby in meditation but so will some of the symbols are time bound that also shirdin the reveals some of the symbols change with context take for instance in the ancient vedic time when they would see journey or progress they would not see a train or aircraft now see i i parent they would see they are climbing a mountain not today also you can see a mountain but you can also see traveling in an aircraft so symbols also are not fixed because symbols are not the last reality symbols are how symbols are created it's very interesting when you read the life divine and savitri these higher truths as they come down at each level they suffer a distortion at the over mind level these truths become separate from each other so justice god of justice and god of kindness god of love and god of strength they become separate so this is the first distortion that takes place at the over mind then as you come down at the level of intuitive mind you see part of the truth but not the whole so that's why you see shrubindu is giving us the whole truth so there's a second distortion that takes place now these are not ordinary levels 
एट द लेवल ऑफ द हायर माइंड दीज ट्रूथ्स आर क्लोथ इन टू सिंबल्स एंड फिक्सड बट दे आर सब्जेक्ट टू टाइम and then these symbols at the level of the human mind turn into whatever you know external stuff but mind you deep behind these symbols also are not truths so higher mind is not the highest range of consciousness one goes beyond it that's why one has not to remain with any symbol i mean durga may appear to uh, to a hindu in a typical you know dash bhuja and to a christian in the image of virgin mary in the meditation itself because she is not bound to that form because the christian believes in virgin mary as the mother she will appear and you know he won't know but if you don't have that concept you are gone like to mohammed she appeared as you know the three angels and he just couldn't accept that look how can it be it is a devil which is misguiding so that also happens i mean to to talk about you know the, the facts like so she will assume a form the god's form is symbolic for instance but the higher you go the forms are more and more plastic equally it may be very misleading like shurbindo um, this hostile force which had assumed the form of shurbindo and it would go to people and once uh, it came even to mother and it's a very touching story so he came as shurbindo and started rebuking her you have spoiled my work you have done this and mother is smiling she could see <laughs> and then she he asked mother to touch his feet mother knew shurbindo would never ever do that so mother says you know still i let him go because after all he had taken the form of shurbindo This is called love. कि कितना दूर जाओगे? I'll take. Don't worry. He came also to Nolida, and Nolida was about to bend to his feet when he asked him to. And then when he saw the feet, he discovered they are not Shurbindo's feet. So how tricky these things can be? You know, people say, "Oh, in my meditation, I saw Shurbindo." and he guided me to do this oh in my meditation i had this god and goddess so the first step is to purify the consciousness to clear it of all obstacles and that's why the agni coming to the vedas before any other symbol the first god is agni and a thorough purification an entire veda is for agni then the next veda also takes that form of agni and turns it into yagna yajurveda is all about yagna and then the prayer and all that you know reception so long process of purification that's why yoga is such a difficult journey because it's not a two day five day 10 day purification is a long long process and that's why a mere intellectual understanding is not enough because everybody stumbles at this point understanding is wonderful but purification millenniums of dirt lies within us hello sir can you say something about uh, family and yoga no <laughs> family yoga yeah <laughs> or yoga family No. Hey, no, 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 no. His question is framed differently. <laughs> yeah, his question is framed very differently, very intelligently. See, to start with, the fundamental foundation is that attitude is much more important than outer thing, and that we read from the mother, even referring specifically to marriage. That people think it is very important, human beings, but it is not important. What is important is the attitude. so that is always the fundamental foundation but having said that then comes the other considerations still is family life a help or an obstacle well by and large let's look into the dynamics to start with it means another consciousness is interpolating with our consciousness and that means 
that means two things if the person with whom we are partnering is a developed person then so wonderful there are stories like that of shikhidwaj and chudala where chudala is a realized lady and shikhidwaj is an ordinary mortal or savitri and satyavan where if one person has a developed consciousness for the other person uh, comes and asks should i go ahead and marry yes yes must you have a chance <laughs> but if the other person is of a very now it will come to another issue interesting issue of a very low and ordinary consciousness and you are drawn only because of the vital physical attraction then there is a crash that's why marriage within the same consciousness same caste same varna even same this was the truth behind it but as i said it now you know it assumed an external form so if both partners are more or less on the same plane they both have the same aspiration for the same goal then they can support each other beautifully on the journey and mother has given that wonderful message to somebody who who wanted to you know get married and that you know to be united that symbol of fire that to be united physically is good but not enough to be united vitally in sensations is good but not enough to be united emotionally is very good but not enough to be united intellectually as companions is very very good but not enough then she says at the center there is a fire and to be united around that fire to walk together hand in hand to the same goal and mark the words at the same pace this is the secret of a lasting union so marriage if takes place like that like in ancient vedic rishis many of them were married almost everybody was married and those who were not married had chaos in their life at times vishwamitra is an example now vishwamitra when he marries menka it's a fall because he is purely attracted for vital physical reasons but it doesn't mean that every lady or every man that comes in the life of a sadhak is a fall that is a wrong conclusion there may be relationships there are even i'll give you two instances shobindo speaks about the four cats for about one cat and says this cat when she relates with this, this was about a he cat when he relates with that she cat it's purely physical when this he cat relates with that she cat his love is more emotional when this he same he cat when bushi relates with the other cat it is a psychic love imagine forget about human beings psychic love and then another instance i know where i'll not take names he is now passed away but right from the horse's mouth this person had like some rishis of old two friends neither married to neither but both used to look after him and so one of them was telling me once revealing when he passed away he had come very close to me and so when he passed away one of them was telling you know i went to mother and asked him that you know i have these feelings towards him should i go ahead or should i not go ahead she said no no don't worry at all your feelings are pure psychic there are examples where mother gave sujata's hand to satprem but there are also examples where the mother told dhuman bhai even when your wife comes don't meet her alone only meet in somebody's presence so you know whether family life to start with an obstacle or not will depend on the attitude but these are the general things so generally it is not advisable to simply um, i am not talking of marriage as a institution but you know togetherness uh, with just anybody and everybody or purely by vital physical attraction or just because some emotional need is there emotional hunger is there to satisfy that but something deep common aspiration is the main thing but it does absorb your energy especially children it does absorb your energy this is a fact can you explain to parents and you know that entire rest, uh, you know the parents belong to the old and when one takes to yoga attachment to parents very often falls away even nature does it in a very natural way and when somebody asked this to shirobindo he said it is a release because attachment to parents is purely of a tamasic kind 
बिकॉज यू आर रिलेटेड टू फिजिकलिटी एंड ब्लड इफ यू रियली लुक एट इट इन द डेप्थ ब्यूटिफुल रिलेशन और जनरली दैट इज हाउ इट इज सिंपली बिकॉज दे आर पेरेंट नो अगेन नथिंग रॉन्ग और बैड और यू शुड नॉट बी ओ देन आई मस्ट गेट फ्री फ्रॉम द पेरेंट्स नो बट आई एम जस्ट टेलिंग दैट वी शुड रिकॉग्नाइज थिंग्स फॉर वॉट दे आर फ्रॉम ए योगिक परस्पेक्टिव सो दैट आवर माइंड डजेंट जस्टिफाई वी कैन से दैट वेल आई एम अटैच टू माई पेरेंट्स वेल दैट्स हाउ आई एम बट मदर लिबरेट मी फ्रॉम दिस इट्स नॉट राइट फॉर मी बट वी शुड नॉट से इट इज वेरी सीक्रेट वेरी गुड वेरी नाइस इट इज वेरी योगिक स्पिरिचुअल नो नन ऑफ दोज थिंग्स इट इज अ नॉर्मल यू नो बिकॉज आई एम बॉर्न इन ए सर्टन फैमिली आई गेट अटैच लुक एट इट इट गोज टू वॉट एक्ट एक्सटेंट्स आई एम बॉर्न इन ए फैमिली सो आई आई पैट वॉल्यूम थ्री कलेक्टेड वर्क ऑफ मदर वी लैंड विद दैट सो यू आर बॉर्न इन ए सर्टन फैमिली सो यू एक्सेप्ट इट You are born in a certain religion. You accept it. You are born in a certain custom and uh, nature. You accept it. This is slavery. But when you come to the divine, then something else has to come. Uh, volume three, and you can Google search the word "the divine," and it will come. After if no no I know no but it's it's very early so just the divine and give it to me and tell for me for the yoga for the sake of the divine press down yeah where this one yeah that one once more once more it's all on the contents showing up yeah okay 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 you will the word scaffolding okay scaffolding is the word yeah divine divine is everywhere everywhere huh is that right yeah okay so we got it now the other part is you know when this question was again asked to the mother uh, when i take to yoga duty towards the divine or duty towards parents and etc mother says when you have taken to the yoga you have no other duties except duty towards the divine all other duties have to be subordinated as long as they are not conflicting it is fine but supposing i have to make a choice between my service to her and my service to family members i have to let go of that because this is the path that's why it is said sharp is the path or what hard is the path sharp is the result such one cannot say that i am making my choices because of my parents and doing something great i have to make a choice for the divine and she has said that very clearly but here this is very powerful i think we'll read it and then we will you know close this session when you come to the yoga you must be ready to have all your mental buildings and all your vital scaffoldings shattered to pieces this is one of the first experiences people have especially when they go to the ashram i mean i'm talking of living there as well as just visiting you must be prepared to be suspended in the air with nothing to support you except your faith you will have to forget your past self and its clingings altogether to pluck it out of your consciousness and be born anew free from every kind of bondage think not of what you were but of what you aspire to be be all together in what you want to realize and now the last sentence sums up where you said family and yoga or yoga family look here what she is saying one is the question the second is the answer so she says turn from your dead past and look straight towards the future your religion country family lie there it is the divine that's why the sangha and you know concept came out of course some are lucky that you know it just goes well very well <laughs> but with many it doesn't and just to finish it sorry you know another inspiration in indian scriptures it is there why i am saying that many people oh this is too much what about indian thought where you are taught to respect your parents regard them as god 
So Meera asked this question to Tulsidas that I am torn between my love for Krishna and my love for my relatives. What should I do? I have on one side my parents, my in-laws, my husband. They are asking me to do something which my deeper self, my love for Krishna contradicts. So, you know what Tulsidas wrote? It's a very lovely bhajan and I love to talk about it everywhere. Jake priyana ram vedehi so chadiye koti bari sam jaddipi param sanehi bali guru tajo vibhishan bandhu bharat matari. So, to, just to translate, that as far as he says, I am concerned in my view that once you have turned to the divine, just through him you connect yourself with everybody. And whatever contradicts it, keep it aside. And then he gives example from the scriptures. He says, Bali abandoned his guru. You know, he didn't listen to his guru Shukracharya. Vibhishan abandoned his brother for the sake of divine. And Bharat abandoned his mother for the sake of the divine. So this is the path. And this is hard and sharp as the razor says. Okay, let's...